Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn Matthews, the founder and chief resilience officer of Asphalus Advisors. We have an amazing guest lined up for you today, and they're going to be speaking on the topic of how do you craft a message you can sell? Our guest today is Mike Reddington. He is the president, executive resource, and a disciplined listener with Inquasive. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, good morning. Thank you very much for having me. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more about you and how you got into this space of discipline learning and uh, fraud and investigations? I mean, how, how did all of that come into play? One accident after the next, to be entirely honest with you. Uh, a part-time job in investigations got out of hands and became a, a career. And once I got immersed in that, I earned my certified forensic interviewer designation. And after earning that designation, I had the opportunity to travel the world teaching non-confrontational interview and interrogation techniques while conducting them as well. And with that, I made two very important, for my world, two very important realizations. The first is that the best leaders and the best interrogators capitalize on the same two core skills, vision and influence. And the second is that the cognitive process that will drive an interrogation suspect to truthfully commit to saying I did it is essentially the same cognitive process that will drive an employee to say I'll do it and a customer to say I'll buy it. At the end, we're just moving people from resistance to commitment. So with that, I uh, decided to go ahead and move on and create the disciplined listening method. And now I focus more on teaching executives how to apply strategic ethical persuasion techniques. So I heard ethical persuasion. I heard moving people from resistance to commitment. Yes. And when I think about the world of uh, crisis management and disruptions and how to get people to move the ball forward with so many other challenges that are going on, um, how, how does your background from your perspective apply to what we call crisis leadership and leading with influence in times of crisis situations? Sure. From my background as when I was more of a full-time investigator, for people to call us, my former team, to come in, generally speaking, they had multiple suspects, no evidence, had already interviewed everybody and got absolutely nothing, and weeks or months had gone past, and now there's pressure within the organization or even outside the organization to solve it. So realistically, every single investigation that I was involved in was a crisis on multiple levels, from the organization trying to figure out what's the problem, how do we contain it, how do we solve it, to the even the individual that I had to speak with, victims, witnesses, suspects, in their own crises as they try to determine what information should they share in the face of uncertain potential consequences. So really, from a communication standpoint, dealing with crises was something day-to-day -day that I've dealt with for the majority of my career. Wow. So I think it's, it's interesting that in their own world that they were all going through their own crisis. At the time of this recording, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. And I always say the biggest risk in my business is I didn't plan for everybody to be in the same crisis at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see that? <laughs> it's not a risk that I factored in. <laughs> um, so going back to the point about disciplined listening, um, you really have to listen and to be able to 
seek with the intent to understand, not to have a response, especially when you're talking to people and, you know, your job in your past life is kind of like what our role is from a crisis and continuity and business resilience perspective. And that is to find the truth, right? So I believe that the message matters and in crisis, mistakes cost you more than what they do in normal day-to-day situations. So from, from your perspective, what should our leaders, I use that with quotation marks because I think some people are decision makers and some people are leaders, but what should leaders consider as they craft a message that they need to sell? And when I say sell, to your point, that can be your people, that can be your stakeholders, that can be your customers, that can be your suppliers. What should they consider as they craft what that message is? It's a great question. Uh, The first thing that they should likely do is think about separating their emotions about delivering the message from the strategic purpose of the message itself. All too often people think, I just have to get through this, and they lose the strategic point of what they're trying to accomplish. Any message during crisis should serve to get at least one step closer to achieving those strategic objectives. So within that, it's also very important that they craft messages around what they want their audience to think, feel, and do after the audience hears the message. So that way they make sure that they're speaking directly towards the behaviors that they want to create. And with that, it's also going to be very important that they frame the message around their audience's perspectives, fears, goals, motivations, as opposed to their own. People react the strongest to what they hear first. And there's research that shows we're capable of filing people inside our mental models as quick as 100 milliseconds. So by framing the message around what's important to our audience, we can make sure that they get the maximum impact that hear the important part of the message before writing us off or making assumptions. So you said three key words, what I want people to know, what I want people to feel, and what I want them to do. And I think that's so important. Um, That's a change management principle that we talked about too in our approach to crisis leadership. And oftentimes when when we communicate, we'll think about what we want you to know. Um, Sometimes we think about how I want you to actually feel on the other side of this communication, whether it's verbal, nonverbal, written. But very rarely, to your point, do we think about what we want people to do. What is the action that I'm expecting with the words and, and with the language or the body language that I am communicating. I like that. Spot on, spot on. (laughs) Um, So crafting a message is very different than delivering. Very true. Right? So what do leaders need to keep in mind for how they deliver the message? One of the first things, and you mentioned earlier, leaders and decision makers, uh, choosing the best messenger is very important. Sometimes it's the CEO, sometimes it's not. It could be any other executive, lots of different contextual examples, but making sure we choose the best messenger, considering those strategic objectives in the audience's potential commitment is important. It's one of the rules that I'm sure has been said over and over again in times like this to remember is if you're okay, they're okay. So it's important to be calm, cool, and collected in the face of peril. And with that, it's important to remember that when we model good behavior, often our audience gets close, close enough, and we're okay with that. But when we model panic behavior, that makes it easier for our audience to justify becoming even more panicked. So when we say mistakes cost more, the image that we portray during times like this is even more important. 
And with that, during our communication, it's very important that we try to serve as, as a strong ambiguity filter. Ambiguity breeds uncertainty, uncertainty breeds stress, and stress kills. So the more specific we can be with our message, even if we don't know the answers, if we can focus on the processes that we're using to get those answers, and any specific similar history or examples we have can be helpful. Something else you mentioned is it's very important to be mindful of our volume, mm. our tone, our speed of delivery, and the words we choose to speak because those can sometimes create unintentional and unhealthy emotional responses if they don't match not only the message, but the goals we're trying to achieve as well. It's really important for leaders, especially in crisis, to remember that people perceive communication as proof for how much a leader cares or respects them. So if we manage our communication in a way where we're seeking to prove how much we respect our audience, we can go a long way in order to managing how that message is received. I've been doing a lot of research on the BP oil spill. And one of the things that I talked about with their former CEO, Tony Hayward, who made a lot of missteps in that situation. But at the time, his job was to instill trust and credibility in the organization, which ties back to what you said. Do you have any examples that you can share of, of people or uh, leaders who've been leading well? I received a phone call a couple of weeks ago from a colleague who he and I have a very different of opinion in terms of, you know, who's, who's really leading in crisis and who's not. So one good example for me has been the Starbucks CEO. The, the message that, that he crafted to his people that then went out to the public was about, we are reopening as a company through this pandemic in multiple countries based upon the people and the safety um, and not the bottom line, not the numbers. And to your point, his tone and his delivery has just been on point. And I value people that are impeccable with their words and that can take accountability for things. And then I've seen leaders on a global level that have been the complete opposite and that instill fear and uncertainty by every word that they speak. Um, so from your perspective, you know, what, what examples come top of mind, whether it's through this crisis or just through your own experience, right, where you've seen people to execute? Yeah, the first one that comes to mind, um, a good friend of mine runs a company and he was getting direct feedback that his employees were worried that they were going to get laid off. They were going to lose their jobs. And so when he had to think about, okay, what are we going to do? Like sacrifices are going to be made, but how do I get people to let go of this fear and focus on what we need to do? He literally called an ad hoc team meeting, got everybody together. And if I've got the story right, actually stood on a table and said, let me tell you all first and foremost, the way we see it right now, we believe we can get through this without anybody losing their job. There's likely going to be sacrifices that we need to make. They will be shared with management. And then he went on to talk about what he believed most people were fearful of and what their goals were right now and talked about how their decision-making process would mirror that. And one of the things that he believes and preaches that I'm a flag-waving, card-carrying, heel-defending believer on as well is consistent communication matters. 
So generally when there's gaps in communication, we tend to fill in those gaps with our fears, worst possible scenarios. We don't just assume the best if we're not hearing from someone. So one of the things he put his leadership in charge of was making sure there was consistent communication with the team so they didn't have the opportunity to create new fears or let those old fears grow legs that they could make sure they communicated their way through. And I thought that was a real critical approach. I love that. I love that. Um, so really quickly, what are the alternatives if people don't apply these principles of, of, of crafting and delivering the proper message? When you look at any communication, how we deliver a message and how that message can be received and perceived can be two different things. Now, sprinkle on a whole dose of stress and uncertainty and watch that magnify. So it really is do we want to work as hard as we can to make sure we get the right message across? Or do we want to let other people, definitely in an uncertain mindset and likely in a fearful mindset, control that message as well? So we have the opportunity to really work hard to authentically, honestly, transparently guide our team. Or if we don't, we let them decide what to think, feel, and do on their own without that guidance, which could create a whole new series of problems. We likely already have enough problems to solve. Let's not go create any more unnecessary problems. You mean we don't need any more? <laughs> I, I, I think I got enough. I don't know about you. Last question for you. So does this change in a virtual environment? Uh, to a degree. I mean, I know we're short on time today. Essentially, when we talk about uncertainty, breathing, stress, if we're not, one of the things the virtual element adds is if we're not seeing each other more often, if we're not talking to each other more often, it, it creates extra layers or extra filters for me to take the message that I'm hearing and run it through my perspective and biases as I choose what to believe. So with the virtual communication, at least with video, it's, it's a little bit better. We can still see each other for the most part, most of the time. So in the virtual world, just remembering that the same principles apply likely to a much higher degree. So making sure we're still very careful and strategic with our delivery, as transparent, as consistent as we can be, and give people the time to share. So we're not just always dictating, we're listening and learning from them as well. Of course, because that goes back to discipline listening. So look, look, you did a great job of tying that all back in. <laughs> awesome. So Mike, where can our listeners find you? They can find me at inquasive.com. They can find me on LinkedIn, Michael Reddington CFI, and on Twitter, M. Reddington CFI. Awesome. Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with Disaster Recovery Journal and Asphalus Advisors. We have actions for you. Subscribe, share, download, and look out for future episodes.